Hello, I'm Penelope Maver, and welcome to Earth Converse, where we explore our relationship and conversations with the earth, all in the hope of inspiring a deeper connection with ourselves, each other, and the earth that is our home. And in episode one, I said there are some special people in my life, and you've heard from two of them, Emerald, Ray, and now Scott. Scott Daly is one of the vision guides that supported me. Last year, I was able to sit as a sort of a co-assistant alongside him. And actually, a year ago, and a year and a week, we were mm-hmm. um, in the, under the Aspens, and we were having a conversation, because originally I wanted to do this as a, an you know, anthology a colleague. Uh, Michelle said, listened to a conversation, said, you should do a podcast. And I said, what, with this accent? But she said, no, because, and there's a real fluidity because there's just, um, yeah, and Scott's got so much wisdom to share. And I have a little secret because on the Vision Quest, uh, um, Corey Wright was there and they ended up together. It's so, and I I still remember the sparks, I do, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so lovely. And one actually, if I get her on, I've got the whole Southwest That's right. Passage covered, yeah. haven't I? Yes, right. I'll put a link in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, good. Yeah. Um. So where are you? You're in a car. Yes. Mm, location. Yeah. Ironically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's made of nature. But I'm actually. Yeah, I, I would. Looking outside, seeing if I could step outside as we do this so um but i have the 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 light shining through so and i Mm. think it's um important we we say this when we're we're um introducing ourselves a lot of times uh to people coming for for ceremony but that i don't really consider myself a teacher um just more um providing um I use the analogy kind of of a doorman that's it's um welcoming people into the you know the hotel of infinite possibilities which is <laughs> nature you know helping people kind of check their bags giving them a lay of the land um but also really this thing about permission and the importance of feeling like people um have the ability to to access their own um this bigger teacher the the natural world that for eons, we were deeply in bed with, you know, and intimately connected through through the cycles of of, of living and dying, and um, and I think, you know, you hear a lot about the um, intergenerational trauma and the epigenetics and the research that are finding of how you know that runs through us and passed through us. Um, through multiple generations. Um, but I'd like to also think there's this intergenerational knowing too, you know, this deep sense that we have the ability to connect into this way of knowing and being that is um, with the backdrop of nature that um, we were, you know, always a part of and and de- forever dependent upon. It's only really a blip in the, the human history. They're saying now 300,000 years. Mm-hmm. Well, we were humans, but there's also the ancestral lineage pre-human that I'd like to think is in us, running through us, coursing through us as well. And so there is this giving permission that no matter what our 
lineage or what some of our ancestors may have done to other people that we are indigenous to planet earth mm-hmm. and that we have the capacity the ability to tap into that indigenosity and that's in no way divorcing us from the trauma that that some of our ancestors inflicted on other people i think that's part of the being you know entering into that as well and the grief that that brings so so yeah that's really so that's a long-winded way of saying this thing about permission mm-hmm. and giving people a sense of permission that they have this within themselves for many many there's there isn't the connection to um a lineage or you know knowing um the history a lot of times that was wanting to be forgotten um not wanting to pass on wanting them to start fresh and start new these new places this new world what is your history what do you know of your you know in terms of your background and how is your journey into that permission i mean i've done research and there's there's being able to access through genealogy and these different forms and stuff there's that way of entering into the conversation but a lot of what i've found in other people that that i've worked with is that like i said a lot of that was lost deliberately i think there was this wanting to to spare probably the next generations of of the pain and the hardship of what what happened um and the reasons for coming over you know for some it was escaping um escaping various forms of oppression like for some it was escaping arranged marriage for others you know there was ties to the jewish you know knowing the the jewish history and what was happening during that time and then also the what was happening say in ireland um Mm. and the irish so there's different different um I think there's different ways of accessing that there's the personal stories some of that can be distorted but then there's also the historical context which I think can be really important and then there is you know going out and we on the land and when we're in this this um ceremonial time this ability to reach out to those that came before us and the earth kind of being a grounding rod and a conduit for that in this, in, in the context of the, the container of the ceremony can really help infuse this um, ability to have these, enter into these, these conversations that we don't think we could normally have. And that for those various ancestors to, to show up and to share what, share about some of their stories and, I know and can start talking about that can start getting kind of woo woo, but it's like, it's amazing what people have come back yeah. with and how it has informed the field and how it has shifted their relationship to, um, to home and place. What have you done around in terms of um, working with your ancestors or accessing your ancestors? Something to be said about the imagination and the, the ability to, we talk about suspending disbelief and the way of entering into a ceremonial space that isn't intellectual or mental so much, but it is 
making making room for for us to for for ancestors to show up mm. you know and for them to speak so it is it's been kind of that some of really kind of removing some of the roadblocks that we put in place that says this is this is not real you know like they used to say you know as a kid it's just your imagination yeah right and <laughs> isn't it just <laughs> yeah just your imagination but like i i had actually had an imaginary friend yes um, and uh well i, I let me re edit that to say i actually had a friend that wasn't imaginary i mean it was he was real and this it's really fascinating because years later i was hanging out with some friends that were they lived on the opposite side of where we used to play there was a road that separated these two kind of neighborhoods and the woods that i was playing in was on one side and there was woods on the other that they were playing in and i had this imaginary friend and um i say in parentheses and i somehow came up in a conversation years later this is probably tw- 20 years later and i said the name and the guy um who i was talking to his the his jaw nearly dropped when i s- said the name um cuz he him and his friends had created this whole world of 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 um characters and there was a king and there was the, his assistants and like they had pl- i don't know they might have made cards or drawn it out but really very detailed and they'd play this for hours and one of the characters was the same name as really? as my as as my friend really? Chucky Cuba. <laughs> and so it's not a very con- I say his name, you know, calling him here and uh, same yeah. name that it's not a very common name. So, but so there's these. So it's really interesting the way in which we don't get to have we don't always get to have that evidence before us. And so the way that our mind can come in and say, that's just a bunch of BS or try to find ways. So it is kind of suspending this disbelief so that those, you know, the, that imagination can um, enter in and, and take hold and, Mm -hmm. and let worlds unfold. And that can include accessing participants in previous generations, Mm -hmm. you know, our ancestors, and that's um, part of our potential, isn't it? Like who's to say, you know, that's just another incredible capacity that we have. And I remember um, accessing on um, Dragonback's um, Springs Ranch, the my ancestors up in the trees, the sort of the uh-huh. trees. And I had no intention of sort of going out there, but it was a real sense of sitting with them. Yeah. Um, I get it. I think sometimes part of the way into that too can be through grief and, and the wounds um, that we've, you know, sometimes we'll give participants, um, you know, our mission to find a wound on the land that represents maybe something your own personal wound or um, for me connected into just the wounding, the, the wounds that happened with, with uh, my ancestors and gave them a chance to, to, to share what happened and can, you know, and so that that lives through me and informs me. And so, so there's the wounding, and then, and then also, I think that that was the initial piece for me that then opened also the possibility of this 
deeper knowing and deeper connection to what, um, what their relationship was to place. And I think it seems really timely, you know, as they're talking about humans, you know, the possibility of our time being limited with what's happening to the planet that it's really to go out on the land and to sit knowing that we've been a part of 300,000 years, this lineage. And I feel like it's, it is possible to feel for them to kind of and come in and to, to be with us in this time. Um, I think it was the Kalahari that they, they said, you know, we don't, we don't pray to God. We pray to our ancestors mm. because God's so too far away. You know, he's so far off. Yeah. And there is this bigness of re- recognizing that the sun will burn out one day. The planet will mm. eventually be no more. And yet we are also a part of this amazing, uh, you know, miraculous <laughs> experiment of the human that goes back thousands and thousands of years and to be able to and at this time call them forth and even just to ask for help how to move you know in this time letting and bringing them up to date of what's happening and where we're at and bringing that bringing them making space for them to live and breathe and um i think is really you know um really important in some it's cultures a beautiful invitation scott yeah, yeah really. some cultures feed you know, they'll say if you don't feed the ancestors, they'll feed on us too. <laughs> and so there is this, whether we like it or not. I mean, Jung talked about the the dead, you know, they're living in the eaves of the house, right? I mean, they're not really, we're not that separate or um, they're not that far from us. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, then maybe what would it be like if we provide an invitation and let them know that we're here, you know, we may not see you, but we get whispers of you or we we'd like to make a space for you at the table mm. and we need help yeah we can't crack this one and i i know myself just sort of that sort of that fierce independent hard enough to call on my friends and my family but you know but there's a whole yeah. wisdom out there and just expand yeah and um really invite that in as a conscious practice it's really beautiful yeah and i think it's if we're having for people that are really having the social distance and isolate this imaginative potential that we have that some would say is not is is real isn't Mm -hmm. you know isn't just something we're conjuring up some fantasy world but is actually building something um within us to navigate these times and i think doing that in the natural world too again is surrounding ourselves not by things that we've created but things that are created us the elements that run through us i think there's a real there's something about when we're continually to be surrounded by things that we've created that we develop a sense a warped sense of self it's like a person looking in the mirror that isn't able to authentically see themselves has a warped sense of self um, no matter what other people might say and so with that in mind it's like when we're out and we're seeing trees we're we're touching things that are alive and that are of our nature because we are nature there is there's a there's a restorative and reparative thing that can happen i think within our system mm-hmm. our nervous system mm-hmm. and so that too really feels important and you know that we're able to 
we don't necessarily feel alone, that we're participating in this with, even if we are having to social distance or isolated, that there's other ways of connecting with life that isn't through things that we've created. The purity and the, Ray talked about actually the non-filters. You know. What is your, like in terms of your relationship, how has it evolved and deepened, you know, from your earliest memories and and this, and this, you know, where you, yeah, at some point facing this wound and turning to nature for that. What can you share about your, your history? Well, I think, I mean, for me, it was very, at a really early age, recognizing there was something really wrong with the world and the way we were going and not How having any. How old were you when you had that sort of thought or feeling? I mean, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of trauma I had early on that, you know, has really uh, influenced and affected my worldview. And at a really early age, having an existential kind of crisis, really coming face to face with death, you know, more than once and feeling like that I was going to die. And there wasn't necessarily, didn't have, su- didn't have support or anyone that could really understand what I was going through. And so, I mean, over, I think as I got older, I wasn't, there wasn't anyone saying or showing me the natural world so much. I mean, I got to experience it in moments of being hidden in a tree and just that was where we played growing up. We watched the country become like these cookie cutter houses and seeing Mm. the loss of wild places. I don't know if I really understood that in words, but it was more of a felt sense that something was really wrong. And it wasn't until I think it was my 21st birthday, I went out for a a 24 hour fast on my own and not really knowing, not having anyone to really guide me, but kind of just had this sense of needing to go out um, after the reading things and getting to experience um, more intimate moments in nature that previous summer realizing I needed to go out and spend time by myself. And I, I remember building a, um, a really a shelter that was extremely primitive and full of holes and it wasn't yeah up to snuff as far as protecting you from the elements. And uh, so I, but I went out before going to into entering the shelter because the snowstorm came later that night, but before going, before the snowstorm came, I was out sitting and there was a, a deer that approached me and looking back now it's it was like it was the deer Mm -hmm. and that it saw me in a way I felt like I'd been seen in a way that I hadn't been seen before and that this what was transmitted in that moment was that I mattered that I existed and I had a purpose you know I didn't know didn't know necessarily what that purpose was but that kind of then became my purpose to find that you know and Re- and and gave me just this juice for for um you know wanting to find that this, this quest that was a call <laughs> kind of like this call to adventure yeah. the hero's journey but isn't that her- incredible yeah. Journey. yeah on the but on what initiation yeah. on your 21st such a significant yeah. day you know to, right. and to be seen in that way and to for that for that yeah. purpose yeah it was and I, so, and then I, yeah, and then I woke up the next morning after making it through the snowstorm because the shelter wasn't, um, 
like I said, it was full of holes, literally. <laughs> what and, day is your uh, birthday? What day was this? Was November nineteenth. Okay. November nineteenth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, so and just waking up feeling just so alive and and just um, just connected to to the the living planet and um, and having a sense of purpose now like i had i had been through a uh, rehab in a halfway house i was 18 19 and being told that i was an alcoholic a drug addict and that i could never you know that i was always going to have that that was always going to be placed upon me there was mm. there was tremendous fear that of entering into pl- establishments that had alcohol or being around it there was i was really afraid that that would i would you know, basically a bottle would like come and just like suck me in and I yeah. would be back on the, it, you know, the message was like, uh, you'd be back right where you were before um, or even worse if you took up that drink or, you know, you smoked again. So there's tremendous fear that was instilled upon me. And in some ways it was, it was, it was good that I, it got me out of my environment. Um, mm. But there was a lot of, baggage that was connected to it and after that experience ironically um when i woke when i went down into town to get breakfast i had to walk through a bar in order to get to the cafe that was <laughs> serving breakfast mm, yeah, and, yeah the final sort of passage. and it's hard to pass on this you know for people that haven't been through that experience but but it was just like um in the past yeah the amount of fear that was involved um, was tremendous and and yet now and ironically i was now 21 so i could go literally <laughs> belly up to the bar and order whatever i wanted <laughs> and so it really felt yeah it really felt like yeah this crossing of thresholds and here mm. i and i had this walk through but there wasn't any fear there was just this stride of confidence not overconfidence but just an inner innate kind of sense of having a renewed purpose and sense of self and went in, went in, had a member eating a bowl of oatmeal and the sun streaming down mm-hmm. on me as I was eating that. And just that being a moment of perfection yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a sense. A bowl of porridge. Uh, that, cause yeah. that integration is the hard bit, isn't it? We can, ha- you know, there's profound moments we can have, but then we going back into the day to day, the temptations, the old life, the, you know, what, ha- what was your experience and what advice have you got about that? Yeah. I mean, we talk about that being the hardest part and that's really where the rubber meets the road. And I think, you know, in previous times in cultures that were rites of passage were woven into the the every day there wasn't really a separation that you'd come back from that ceremony and you told them who you were now and this is what you can't or you know this is your purpose and mm-hmm. there was a sense of like yeah right mm. we see you Climate. you know yeah and so that was the challenge for me for years is i continued to to go to nature and doing guided fast and doing a more formal kind of guided initiation that following summer and nature really became my home and really feeling seen really feeling seen and recognized but still there was this tremendous trepidation with being seen by my own kind Mm. and there was 
a degree to which still wondering if what was happening in those places in nature was actually real because it wasn't necessarily verified by those around me in some ways unconsciously a lot of times those things are kind of invalidated because you're going you're going against the current and there is a force of not of not necessarily wanting to to see what what you're seeing because it can be fearful to to those that are a part of them maybe knowing that they're needing perhaps to do it themselves you know the part of them that knows that there is something more than what they've been experiencing in the world so there is a there is a survival instinct that sometimes comes in that wants to tear it down anyone that's come back from those places you know, it's like, so there is this risk. It's like the turtle stick having to stick its head out. And that's, you know, for risk of having his head chopped off because you're going back to a world that isn't necessarily going to, you know, really say, I see you. It's not easy. And it's to answer your question, just like how, how people, how people deal with that, you know, how to integrate that is it's a, a slow cooking process. And I think it does require for me, at least having to return again and again, because the memories fade or the, that other world kind of seeps in that tells us that that isn't true. You know, the doubt kind of can take, take hold. And I think really important then surrounding yourself by people that do really see you finding and seeking out those people you know, and building those communities now more than ever, you know, of really, I mean, you talk, people are now talking about it because of the pandemic and how we need to build these pods and think about growing food and not be relying on these bigger systems. And yet I think, or people talking about collapse and what's, you know, the possibility of what's happening with climate change and very real possibility of systems just completely falling apart but we've always been in community you know, we've always lived just a short blip again of where we were individuals or independent and just could go, you know, going to the grocery store and getting our food, you know? So I think it's easy to get, go to that fear place and there is a lot to be fearful about. I also like to remember that we've always been in this. This is how we used to live preparing for storms, preparing for, you know, droughts, um, yes. for, yeah. And, and then just being with others that recognizing that we need other people, not just to help bring in the harvest, but also to, to hold us in times of, of grief or loss mm-hmm. and celebration. Yeah. And to imagine and to vision and to hold that hope. Yeah. So I'm hoping this is an opportunity, you know, crisis opportunity. This is an opportunity for, us for however much time we have left that it's an opportunity to tighten the the bonds and that with that as we're entering in so many great so much great unknowns that our listening capacity you know we need all hands on deck but i think we also need all ears on deck really listening and i think to be able to access the wilderness and have a more clear bigger ear so to speak to the to um, listening to a larger conversation that's happening beyond media, but the conversations that's happening between the trees and the, and the ground 
and being able to have these conversations so that we can come back perhaps with how to move. Like Einstein said, we can't solve the problem on the level it was created on. And so how do we access these other places, the imagination, expanding our capacity to imagine something different, something more beautiful that is supported by this eons of this lineage that we're a part of human and non-human that has our backs. Mm. How do we go into that conversation? Yeah, I think there's simple ways and then there's more, there's bigger ways, you know, the simple ways of just setting this daily practice of going out and making that time for where we're saying here, like whether it's prayer, if people call it prayer or they call it, you know, but saying like kind of letting the earth know, or maybe a particular plant. Sometimes that feels too big, the earth, but speaking to a particular plant, I mean, I've had some wonderful conversations and felt really held by uh, talking to a particular flower or a tree and then you're letting them know this is what's happening to us and can you you know what do we do you know (laughs) there is this lament this lamenting Mm. that that natives have talked about you you know and you're you're crying out that that then works into this larger time set aside where there's ceremonial space where you're emptying out things from your life so that things can so there's space created for something else to enter in so that's maybe going without food or now you know just leaving your cell phone behind leaving social media behind Mm. and again surrounding ourselves by the natural world rather than by things that we've created people are coming into nature who are scared of it you know that it's really uncomfortable to be in that nature space whether it's a park well I think there can be some people that have experienced actually have experienced trauma and and that can be hard I think it's different if you're a woman I think it could be different if you're a part of a marginalized group that feeling like going out and being in, in nature and solitude this like not feeling safe or people you come across people that see you're wondering what you're doing there that 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 you don't look like them you know I mean I think there's there's those aspects that are important to identify that can can be part of it and so yeah so I think that's very very real Mm, I think it is too yeah but it is really important Mm. too that we're doing this with community and forms of ceremonies there's being held being held so that we feel like we can go out and really kind of fall apart to empty out Mm. and that we're not going to be just washed away or we're going to just be you know completely annihilated but that that is interesting about the falling apart and emptying out you know the the safeness the, the permission to do that and in a yeah. really safe, held way, and nature is the is the perfect holder yeah, and guide yeah, and mirror. Right? Mm. Yeah. When the psychologist Winnicott talked about the what's created in the healing environment between therapist and and client, and this holding environment, but that's what I love about this work is that feeling like the holding environment is the people you know that come the guides uh, than the natural world 
It's all creating this holding environment so that we feel safe to be able to do what we need to do. And so there is these armor, this armor that we've had to put on to be, to be in the world and to endure the trauma that we've endured and to take on these various character structures to, to remain intact. So what it is really feeling like our system, our nervous system feels safe mm-hmm. that we can then really be able to do this. And we're going to be held mm-hmm. that deep kind of that deconstruction before we can be reconstructed, you mm-hmm. know, dissolving. And usually, you know, cause we've, we've got a growth mentality or we don't allow that, you know, that um, imperfection or we don't, you know, the, the, the failing or you know that's their psyche isn't it and so just be able to and trying to to, like and that's what i think yeah there's the mental process of really trying to figure it out and looking for solutions yeah there's like something about um dissolution you know Mm. dissolving into something the metamorphosis of a, a butterfly and that enters into this gooey state where it's kind of dissolving into yeah. that. We talk about the liminal stage of the rite of passage and entering into this kind of something that's dissolving before it can be then formed. Can you imagine the leaders of the world mm-hmm. of corporates coming into this and and really being prepared to dissolve, deconstruct in order to reemerge yeah. in a healthier way? Do I think about that? Is that what you're yeah, asking? Yeah. I mean, it was always, it was kind of a requirement in cultures, I think. And that there's some sort of transitioning from one state to the next. There's the African saying, if the the youth aren't initiated, they'll burn down the village mm-hmm. to feel the heat. And some would say, yeah, they're still just, you know, maybe in adult bodies, but they're youths, you know, running around that are just burning down the village we're seeing things burning down all around us. And so, yeah, I mean, I think what it would have been like if there was this, there was a, this culture that had that woven in that our leaders before they became light leaders were going through that process, the cooking process that made them mature and their decisions were not based out of selfishness, greed, that I, that I really see as being linked to trauma. I mean, I look mm. through a lot of the, through trauma. Chellis Glenn Denning talks about kind of the original trauma um, being our separation from the earth, which mm. begets all other trauma. What would it be like? Yeah, that was, that was held if they were held in a different way. The leaders were held in a different way and they were allowed to pursue what they really were wanting to pursue which probably most likely wasn't buying casinos and evicting people. So much is happening and it's hard to set aside time, let ourselves fully drop down our guard and Mm -hmm. be able to just sit in that. It's not necessarily looking for answers and, uh, but that just being the answer itself, I guess it's, I've been looking at kind of this, this, talk about the stages of grief and loss that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross talked about years ago. And, you know, there's, I don't necessarily see it as 
it's a linear process. I think other people are, you know, not necessarily mapping it like that anymore, but that we go through these various stages and, you know, and one of those is denial. And I think just seeing how we're all perhaps moving through these various stages, those that are really feeling the, the, the full range of emotions. I think there's some that are maybe just stuck in denial and moving from that place, but it helps kind of just map out a little bit more what may be happening. If our systems don't feel safe, they don't feel like there's support to really be able to hold some of these things. Mm-hmm. There's go-tos are going to be some of these different stages as they call it. And I think how can we be more fluid in moving through those? That, that The anger is really important. You know, yeah. there's times when, yeah, it's too much and we do need to just check out to, to create this kind of fluidity and moving through. And I think a lot of times, you know, these these kinds of things were so big, like a loss of a community member, or something they were done. It was done together. It wasn't meant to be done alone. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about the loss of how many species and the loss of um, what's happened to, you know, the, the genocide. Um, the eco side that how do we really have the capacity to hold those things? And mm-hmm. it's, I don't think we were designed for that. How do we do that together and let that move through and see what, how that, that perhaps brings us some to some new sort of terrain or some sort of vantage point. Just thinking about that, like with the, with the pain and the, and the grief and the loss, the intention to actually, first the awareness or the pause and turn into that because like you say I mean are we designed to hold it all but there's this intention to do so isn't it to make a start but quite often yeah. we're, we're distracting ourselves you know we're just skipping through um and right. um, you know skipping and I the think surface and not dre- dropping yeah. down in that yeah and, um, the invitation to do it and I think a lot of times our systems are not really doesn't feel safe and as much as we want to do that intellectually yeah our our nervous systems our bodies Mm. are responding a little differently based on the accumulated trauma that we've experienced growing up and in the ways that we've had to live the ways we've had to you know for many stop being children Mm. at a very early age and the sense of wonder and their bigness wasn't okay Mm. you know and having to squash that so there's intellectually then like, yeah, wanting to be able to do that or access that, but there's a whole other thing happening. And so that takes time and there it is creating a safety for feeling like um, there is something that has our back. Mm. So appreciate you doing this and Aww. great seeing you. And-, and we'll put a pause here and see you back for the next Earth Converse podcast. Go out and enjoy nature one conversation at a time.